bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, The Fan, along with our guy Nathan Marzian, streaming live here on uh, 1250 AM, The Fan, on Twitter, along with uh, at Sparky Radio, and of course on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. You can download Green and Growing Podcast a couple times a week uh, right there on your Odyssey app, uh, or if you don't have the Odyssey app, which you should, uh, you can download it at any other uh, podcast platform you download your favorite podcast at. NBA draft as we record this on Wednesday evening is coming up tomorrow evening, Thursday evening. Uh, and you very well may see Nathan Marzian and I uh, doing a live draft podcast at the conclusion of the draft tomorrow night as well. Unless the Bucks have no picks and nothing happens, in which case we'll both be sleeping. Uh, okay, uh, Nathan Marzian, uh, let's talk about kind of expectations and kind of things that we could see happening uh, tomorrow night. There's a sense that I get that they being John Horse, Peter Fagan, Bucks ownership, are looking to shake things up a little bit. Reading Eric Names' piece in The Athletic, he talks about maybe shaking up the middle of the roster, um, and that might be something that happens going forward. I kind of looked at the Bradley Beal deal, hearing that they were involved and possibly making an offer of maybe they're going to change the top of the roster more than I had expected one way or the other. Uh, what what do you think could possibly happen here coming up tomorrow night? Yeah, so so this draft is interesting because I think I don't know. Normally, I wouldn't be quite as um, you know, and I wouldn't be entertaining the possibility as much of the Bucks moving up. But we've seen now rumors of them wanting to possibly trade guys like Grayson Allen, um, the, the like you said, the middle of the roster guys to you know potentially move up. And they said they might want to be trying to get a pick between you know mid 20s late first until maybe 40 45 right now they're sitting at 58 they have the very last pick which essentially means nothing so you know if they can move up the interesting thing about this draft is there are at least you know we don't know these guys yet but by the looks of it there are a lot of guys in that range the 25 to 45 ish range that are all higher not all but most higher floor kind of role player type of guys that it's more, you know, it's more guys to add to a championship team rather than guys that are going to have this crazy upside that could really, you know, you could hit a home run with it's, it's guys that just have like a, you know, a, a pretty proven skill that they're good at that they can do that. Are they going to be amazing, crazy players? No, but they can come in and potentially be contributors right away. And I think that's why we saw the nuggets try to get some picks in this draft. They're now up after the trade they made today. I think they have, 29 32 and 37 so they're trying to get into this draft because i think they see that as well that there's an opportunity here in that range to get you know you don't have to give up that much to get a cheap young um role player that really you know some of these guys could be could be pretty good role players i know there's some wing defenders that the bucks could use in the you know later first early middle second area one of them being my guy omax prosper from marquette um, I don't know if he'll fall far enough for us to really be realistic in, in trying to trade up for him. But I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things too. As, as the draft happens, you know, if there's got, like, if, if they have a board of, you know, maybe there's these eight guys that they're like, okay, we, we really would want to trade up for these guys if they start to fall. And let's say you get out of the first, the, the first round ends and there's still 
five of those guys on the board for them. Well, then they might say, okay, let's let's start moving up here to get one of these guys. Whereas if all those guys go off the board, they might just sit back and say, okay, we're, we're not going to try to trade up. Um, but all I'm saying is there is definitely, I think there are more guys than usual in that range, the 25 to 45 range, that could be higher floor players. And again, if if you can get someone that is a you know, wing defender, fills a need and is cheap on a rookie contract and doesn't cost you much to, to go get, and they're young, I mean, I think that's that's worth potentially doing if you're going to trade. I think Grayson could get you like an early second round pick. Um, a couple of years ago, the Bucks essentially traded the 30th pick for him. So I'm, probably, I'm guessing he's worth an early second this year. And I think, I mean, I, I don't I don't expect them to trade Bobby, but if they did, I know the Pacers had reportedly wanted a power forward and the Pacers have, that's the other part of this draft. There's like several teams that have multiple picks in that range that are probably going to be trading out. Um, Charlotte has 27, 34, 39, and 41. Indiana has 26, 40, and 55. Memphis has 25, 46, 45, and 56. Portland has 23 and 43. Sacramento has 24, 38, and 54. San Antonio has 33 and 44. Like, there's just plenty of teams that have multiple picks there that you're like, okay, I think they'd be willing to trade us one of those picks. Um, and so, yeah, I could see it. I could see something like that happening. If, if a team like Indiana really wants Bobby Portis, they need a power forward, and they're willing to give us, you know, the 26th pick, I think that's a trade that we would consider give us a little bit of cap space there if we need it or whatever. And um, I think that could be something that happens, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's nobody really knows. You talk about San Antonio. There's a report out uh, just before we started. that They are trying to get back into lottery for a second pick in the lottery and trying to get a uh, Wemby's teammate uh, from his team. He's playing on uh, that he played with since he was in youth league or something. I think they won a championship when they were 13 together, something like that. Um, so San Antonio may try and get two lottery picks, one from Wemby and then one other one to try and, uh, and grab his teammate. And I'm sure that probably is something coming from Wemby's camp of, you know, it'd be really cool if you could help a brother out and get somebody that I've played with and got some chemistry with here and we could kind of learn together and be teammates together and kind of grow in this thing together. So we'll see if uh, they're able to get that done. Indiana, I, I don't know if they consider themselves in rebuilder mode or not with Rick Carlisle as head coach, but I think you just got to try and add as much talent as humanly possible. They're not going to win a championship next year, obviously. We've talked about them in the past uh, on a previous podcast on Green and Growing. It's kind of, they're kind of stuck there uh, with where they're at. It doesn't look like they're getting significantly better, and they've been running with the same core of guys for a while now. So uh, I, I, I could see them maybe doing a move. I wouldn't advise them to trade for Bobby Portis if I was Indiana because I don't think that makes you a championship team. I don't think that gets you over a hump or anything of the sort. From the Bucks standpoint, as I've said before, they looked old and slow to me. So, you know, to add another first-round pick, uh, a, a young guy that can come in and replace a Jay Crowder or somebody like that uh, and add some youth to go along with Marjan Bochamp, whose role hopefully will expand and grow next year to give him another young guy out there and playing with some of these older guys, I think would be a, a great idea. Now, the other thing is, if you go to the end of one, like you just brought up about, uh, prosper, they're going to be looking for wings, it appears. Uh, and Eric Name pointed that out in the athletic piece as well, that wing, that wing position, that guy that's going to be that defender that's long and athletic. Uh, and Prosper can hit the threes uh, from time to time as well. Is probably the position they're looking at. They're probably not looking for a backup point guard to Drew Holiday. They're probably not looking for a backup big uh, to Brooke Lopez. So it's probably going to be that athletic wing type player uh, that they're going to probably try and get is my guess, Nathan. 
Yeah. And as I said, there are a few, I've looked at this class and there are a few of those guys. It's not just like Omax. There's not really just one guy that they're going to try to go up and get. Um, Omax is one. There's a guy named City Sissoko is another one. He'll go probably a little bit uh, later than Omax. Ryan Rupert will probably go a little bit in that range, probably late, late first, maybe early second. Julian Phillips, another guy. Those are all, they're all six, seven. They're basically all six, seven uh, long wing defenders. Is essentially How many of are. them that you're naming are juniors or seniors? Um, I don't I'll know be honest with you. Man. If you're, you're telling me high floor guys, and I'm saying I want juniors or seniors at this point, if I'm the Bucks, if this is about now, I want the maturity level of a guy that's been playing basketball for a while uh, that you don't have to teach constantly about where they're supposed to be and how to play and so forth. So that's kind of what I'd be looking for. If you look at, say, the Sacramento Kings of how they've kind of built their thing, he's only drafting guys that have played been playing for at least two years of college basketball and, and going from there, whether that be a redshirt sophomore, whatever the case may be. But he's he's drafting older guys over there, 20-year-olds or or higher. I would think that would be the philosophy of the Bucks versus a Brandon Jennings versus a Larry Sanders versus uh, Giannis, you know, some of these projects that you're drafting to draft somebody, like you said, that can come in and kind of hopefully play right away. And defensively, I think that's going to be part of it. Like you said, that it might be more about what they can do defensively, even more so than what they can do offensively. Yeah, all those guys I mentioned. So um, Omax is 21, and then the other three that I mentioned, they're all 19. So they're younger guys. But I think, I don't know, if you're good enough defensively and I just – by if if they're that good and you buy into them that much on that end, I don't know how much their um their youth really matters that much to you. If you just believe that okay, these guys are good defenders, these guys have the physical tools we need. I know you. I mean, yes, in our situation, would you probably prefer someone who's a little bit older, more experienced? You know, probably even higher floor than those guys seem to have. Yes, but I do think you can be 19 coming into the draft and still have a decently high floor. I, in my opinion, because I just. These guys are all, very, you know, again, they're all built pretty much the same. They all display pretty much the same skill set of being able to be a really good on-ball defender. All of them are decent shooters, and if they, you know, if there's if decent shooting comes over to the NBA for them, they're going to be really good role players because we know they can defend. And then if you can just shoot it half decent, you'll have a decent career. Now, if their shot really tanks and they are below thirty percent from three or whatever, or really struggling, then okay, that's how you know those guys just might not pan out as role players, but. None of them seem to have really bad shots. They all seem to be okay shots. Same with Omax. It's like that's not his strong suit, but I think he shot like 34% from three in college. Um, it was decent enough to say, hey, if, if he can be that good defensively and just shoot, you know, 33 34%, okay, you can you can survive in the NBA and you can have a decent career. Um, and it, it, a little bit similar to what we had in Marjan last year where we got a guy that we kind of knew we had defensively and it's, a matter of okay does the offense pan out is he you know does he become a consistent shooter um does he develop more ball handling skills and a little bit more offensively we'll see and that that's the other thing too is maybe if they if they have a belief that you know Marjan can step into this role and really do that like be the wing defender that they really need either you know this year or next year you know pretty soon then maybe they go a different route. Maybe they don't go for one of these wing defenders and just trust that Marjan's going to be that guy and we'll go for more of a ball handler. We'll go for something else that we need. But I don't know. In my mind, I I just I'm 
my immediate need that come that they've had for the past couple of years is wing defense. So that's kind of what I go to. And again, this class has a few of them. They're they're it's a little bit of a deeper wing class than there usually is. How crazy is it if I suggest to Nathan Marzian, follow him on Twitter, Nathan Marzian, that the Bucks not only trade one, but trade two of their guys to get multiple possible late first round picks. So maybe it, Portis, who you've been angling to get traded the whole time. So maybe Portis, um, and I'm going to say Grayson Allen because the odds of Pat Connison getting traded are probably slim at this point, even though I'd be all for it. But let's say Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen, they go, each one of them goes for a different late round, first round pick. Would that be too much tinkering for youth from your perspective when you're talking about competing for a championship, replacing two vets that kind of know the system, know the ins and outs of the NBA, have seen everything, and replacing with two young guys uh, in that rotation? Is that too much tinkering? I wouldn't. I wouldn't get super mad at it. Now, first off, I, I do think if we were going to trade Bobby and Grayson, I would. I'm not sure you'd get too late first. I would. I would probably think you'd get a late first for Bobby, early second for Grayson. Right. But still, let's I say mean, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not a huge difference there. But um, I'm not going to be mad at it. But I do think there. You know, I don't know. I think that going, yeah, too far towards draft picks, youth, rookies that. You know, yes, you want them to pan out. I, you know, everyone gets excited about them when you draft them, and there's all this hype around them. But you don't know what they are yet. You know, we we do know that Grayson Allen is a good NBA shooter, a forty percent NBA shooter. We know that you know Bobby Portis is a double double machine in the NBA, and he can do that at the NBA level. These guys, yes, they look great in college. Yes, they have these traits, and you know, could they pan out? Absolutely. And you know, I, I wouldn't mind taking that chance but I, I do it is it is something you want to be a little bit cautious about not going too crazy that direction i'd i'd probably try to only trade one of those guys i mean i don't know it just it'd be hard to give up really your only two valuable role players maybe i mean pat's valuable but i just don't see them trading pat but the two like your two valuable role players you're just trading for picks i don't know i'd want to at least maybe trade one of them for a pick and then try to trade the other one for like a Proven, not proven, but just more of a, a couple years in NBA player or something like that. How about this? Adrian Griffin was brought in to be the Bucks head coach. Defensive-minded guy, but the one thing that he gets a lot of credit for is what? Player development. And as a Bucks fan, you're like, well, whoop-dee-doo-dah. Player development, oh, I, that's great. We got a bunch of old dudes. They're as developed as they're probably going to be at this point, other than Bochamp. You got a bunch of old guys on this team. How much more developed are you really going to get? But if they do go and decide to make a concerted effort to go in the area of we're going to get younger and we're going to rely on him and Terry Stotts and Joe Prunty and Vint Baker and these guys to kind of develop these young guys at a little bit higher rate and we're going to use the regular season to get them a bunch of minutes and rest Middleton and rest Holiday and rest Giannis a little bit and get them ready to kind of go in the postseason and kind of build this. Because again, I mean, don't lie to yourself. Holiday's old. Milton's getting older and Giannis has a couple years and then you got to figure out where you're going with him. Look at LeBron. I mean, that dude's playing with dinosaurs uh, out in LA. They had to redo half the damn roster at the deadline in order to try and make that thing work. Uh, and you still don't know what that's going to look like because again, he's getting towards the end. He can't do it like he could do it before. 
you don't want to be in a position, in my opinion, to where in two years you go to Giannis and go, okay, sign. And Giannis is like, I love my guys, but dude, what are we going to do in four years, five years? If I'm signing a four or five year deal, these dudes are going to be like retired or out of the league. And what am I going to have around me by that point? I just wonder if that comes into play. If you're John Horse and these guys going, okay, can we compete and still be good in the East if we add a couple of young players that we're going to give significant time to next year and still be in a position to compete when we get to the playoffs? Because I find it hard to believe that they watched Milwaukee and watched the Bucks and didn't think that they looked old and slow to them while they were watching it. If I saw it, I don't know how they couldn't have seen it. Yeah, they. Abs- I mean, there, there definitely was some of that and... Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you gave me the option of trading for these young guys and trading for rookies and relying more on rookies and player development and all that, the thing is, you're not, you're not doing it with the hope that any of these guys are going to pan out and be anything special. You're doing it in a role player spot where you're just hoping that they can be a contributor. Yep. So when you're only looking at role players, you know, potentially now, again, some of these guys could randomly turn out to be amazing and whatever, but you're not going to predict that to happen. So if we're just looking at role players, I would rather just go the route of trying to trade. Like if I'm, if I had the choice of trading, you know, Bobby Portis for the 26th pick or trading Bobby Portis for Dorian Finney Smith, I would rather just have Dorian Finney Smith because I, to me, the guy I get with the 26th pick, I'm hoping can give me impact like Dorian Finney Smith would, essentially. You know, could he be a little bit, could he be better? Yes. But I would just take what Dorian Finney Smith gives you, which is a solid role player. And so I don't know. I'm not looking at super high upside with my role players. I'm not looking at, you know, again, the whole player development thing of of trying to take the time to build them up and and you know, with Bochamp. I didn't love the Bochamp pick at the time because I was like, I feel like best case scenario, he just becomes a role player down the road. And I feel like you either could have traded that pick for a role player or just, you know, done something differently with it to, to make it a, maybe, maybe try to get someone who had a bit of a higher ceiling. And I don't know. I just, when it comes down to the role players, I'm not, I'm not as high on getting these young guys that you almost have to build up to become decent players. It's like, I don't want to be like, you should be with, with, when you have Giannis, when you have a championship team, Everyone you bring in, for the most part, should already be a decent player. You know, almost everyone. Now you can use a, you know, again, if they go and trade a draft for a draft pick um, tomorrow, I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to be perfectly fine with that because that's just one guy. But you know, as we talked about, if you're going to go trade Bobby, trade Grayson, trade Pat for for picks, okay, all of a sudden you're just left with all these guys. You're hoping to just become role players when you already had role players to begin with. Well, they trade that player, they get that pick. And they draft an international guy they stash. Then what's the reaction from Nathan Marzia? I that'd be dumb. Why are you <laughs> why are you you have Giannis? You're not stashing. You're going in right now. Like every year needs to be like and, and I think I think people have this mindset that the Bucks, you know, Chris and Drew are gonna be gone pretty soon, and you know, Brooke. And we need to draft a guy that we're going to build up to be the next guy behind you, you know. But what's next the to window? The window's what? Three years? No, four years. The the window with this core, yes. Yeah, with Chris and Brooke and Drew, it's probably like three years, something like yeah. that, three or four years. But people, I, like people, think that okay, this means you need to draft someone to build up to be the next Chris or the next Drew or whatever. 
No, you don't. You can go sign a guy three years from now because you're going to have cap space. If you lose Drew, you lose Chris. If you lose Brooke, you're going to have cap space to go sign a new person. And you're always, for me, when you have a Giannis and you have a championship player and a championship, you know, that, that alone is going to make you pretty good just having Giannis. I'm never trying to just get youth and build everything up. I want to just be good all the time. I want to sure. be, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, I'll, I'll draft these guys, these young guys, and could it pan out? And could we be, you know, could they, could these two guys next to Giannis become amazing and we turn out to be a dynasty? Yes. But there's the risk of them not panning out and everything just crumbles. I would rather just, as you go, sign guys that are, you know, maybe they're older. I, I don't really care. Just, I'd rather have older, good players than younger, unproven players that could be great, but could be bad. That's how, that's how I would operate when you have a star like this is just, you, you, you plug and play as you go. You're not kind of planning for, okay, who's going to be the, the second guy four years from now? No, we can figure that out when we get there. We'll have, if, if we really lose Chris and we lose Drew at that time, we need a second guy. Well, at that point, we will have the space to sign a second guy and we'll be able to get someone that we know is good because we've seen it before and they're a right. free agent and we can just get them rather than drafting someone hoping that they pan out. And again, same with these role players. I'm, I'm more... I want to have a couple young role players. I like that they have Marjan. I'd like to see them go get someone um, tomorrow if they can. But you still want to have those guys that you just know are good. You know what they give you. You know they're reliable. Are they going to be anything special? No, but it's just like you know what they're giving you. And so, um, I don't know. Some people just seem to get a little too attached to youth. And I just, I don't know. When you have when you have Giannis to me, I'm not going crazy for youth. I more just want good players. He is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter. Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Don't forget, as we live stream this bad boy here on Wednesday evening, you can always watch uh, the live stream right there on the 1250 AM, the fan Twitter account, or at Sparky Radio on Twitter, or on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, Green and Growing Podcast. You can also download the Green and Growing Podcast, of course, on that Odyssey app, which you should have. And if you do have, and you're a Brewers fan, you can go listen to the Tim Dillard interview. I do a weekly interview with him. Uh, each week for 1250amthefan.com. Go check that out. Talk to a lot of different stuff, including a player survey in The Athletic uh, by a bunch of MLB players. That was uh, very interesting. So you can check out that interview as well. All right, let's move on to topic number two. CP3, baby! Would you want the Bucks to get involved in this Bradley Beal trade to get CP3? We just had Toby Altizer on from 106.7 The Fan out in Washington, D.C., former uh, producer and host here at The Fan back in the day when we had local shows. Uh, and he was talking about the fact that Wizards fans, good. Pretty much saying, adios, Bradley Beal, good luck to you, see ya. They wanted out of that contract and wanted to get to a full rebuild. Uh, we'll get to poor Zingas, who apparently is on the move, another big contract uh, in D.C. Uh, with our next topic. But this Beal deal still isn't done because apparently CP3, who found out while on an airplane uh, to New York, uh, apparently they're trying to get him to a different team so he doesn't get stuck with the Wizards. We'll see if that happens or doesn't happen. The question is, would you want the Bucks to get involved in this deal to potentially go get themselves CP3? Uh, and again, I'm not getting into m- numbers and contracts and all that nonsense. I'm just pretty much asking, would you want them involved to try to add CP3 to what they have? Nathan Marzian, your thoughts. Now, the contract does matter in this because... Well, of course what it does, I, but everybody everybody watching this or listening to the podcast doesn't have a computer in front of them to start figuring out the CBA rules. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's for the, for the CP3 thing, it's pretty simple. They either could sign him to a min 
or they sign them for $5 million if they keep their tax pyramid level. So it'd be one of those two options. And so when I look at it that way, I'm like, yes, I would take him for either of those two options if they can make it happen. I We talked about this a little bit, I think, in another earlier episode, but it's like, if I can get him that cheap and he's a, a point guard you can put next to Drew, move Drew over to shooting guard, we need more of a pure point guard, ball handler, floor general. CP3 is one of the, you know, better ones to ever play the game, you know, and um, I know he hasn't won anything. and I know all that stuff, but it's like, if you can get a guy that averages 10 assists and two turnovers a game, I, for $5 million or possibly a minimum, then yes, I would do it. Absolutely. I don't really see the downside in doing it. Um, so for that contract, yes. Now, if we had money to spend elsewhere and we were going to go give him, I don't know, double digit million or 15 million, I don't know, whatever, the, whatever it is, then I would say no. But for how, for what the Bucks have to get him, if they did get him, yes, I'd be happy. I uh, I don't have any inside information on what I'm about to say. I just get a bad vibe about this dude. And I, listen, I, I'm a big PBA guy, bowling guy. Got my spare time bowling podcast. Um, and he and he and the PBA have done a great great things. Chris Paul charity bowling event that they've done for a quite a while. He's big into bowling and all that, so he's done a lot for the PBA tour with the publicity that he gives them. So I love him for that reason. My my bad vibe comes from the fact of how many teams has this dude bid on now where by the time it's all said and done, it always ends up not all that great and he ends up moving on somewhere else and it works for the first couple of years and then all of a sudden it doesn't go so well and we move on somewhere else. Now, I heard one report that says maybe KD and him weren't the best of friends uh, and KD behind the scenes was the one kind of lobbying to get Bradley Beal in there. No idea. Couldn't tell you. These are just the reports that are coming out. The one thing I would be pissed off about Based on the one report I saw, and I, I talked about this Toby Altizer, man, if I'm Chris Paul and I find out that Kevin Durant is calling and trying to recruit somebody else, knowing damn right well that they're about to trade me, yeah, I'd be hot. I'd be livid. You've got players trying to get you out of there and recruiting other players. First of all, Bradley Beal is not a point guard. No. So it's not even like they're getting a guy to come in that's younger, that's a point guard that can replace CB3 in that position. They recruited a shooting guard to come in and play and just to get rid of CP3 at this point. So that's a little bit concerning uh, to me as well. When he was in Oklahoma City, that was impressive. He had a bunch of young dudes. They rallied around him, and he helped to get them better. So that was good. My only thing with this is, if you put him with Drew, good dude. Never heard a bad word about Drew. Middleton, as far as I know, good locker room guy. Giannis, is Giannis. Does he mesh in? Does he fit in? Does he get down with what this locker room is? Because whatever vet you trade for, if you trade for a vet, right? They have to understand that these three, it's their locker room. Plain and simple. Don't care who you are. This is their locker room. And you kind of got to fit in where you can uh, and kind of go from there. This isn't you coming in being big honcho. Oh, I'm Chris Paul. I'm going to run the or run the show because I'm Chris Paul. Uh-uh. They've won a championship. This is their locker room. That's That's my only fear in all of this. Uh, and people can poo-poo chemistry and poo-poo all that stuff, but that that's a little bit concerning for me as far as how he gel with everybody else. Yeah, I understand that. And I, and again, I would say that our team is probably, I think, better suited for him than maybe those other teams were, or the team around him. The, the teammates he played with, maybe, you know, again, he played with Harden. He's played with KD. Those guys, I mean, I love KD, you know, and Harden's a really good player too, but it's like, I don't know. Those guys aren't, 
I don't think they bring a, a very strong winning culture. I don't think they bring that type of thing that maybe a Gian, like a Giannis and Chris and Drew now do sure. coming fresh off a, a championship where, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just think that there's a little bit of a different culture there. And I think, um, you know, I've never really, I, I don't think CP3 ever really made his team much worse. Like, again, I don't, I don't think he made the Rockets worse or really hurt the Rockets Agreed. ever. It was like, you know, I think that was a little bit more on Harden. Um, and he played for the, the, the Clippers. I don't think he ever really, I, I, that team, they had Doc Rivers as the coach and I don't think they were ever really a championship team to begin with. Um, so I don't know. I, I still just believe that if I can get, you know, when I look at it and say the Bucks need a ball handler, uh, a true point guard, in my opinion, um, to put next to Drew. And I think that could unlock Drew's offense a little bit by taking some pressure off of him. And you can get a guy, you know, if they can, for a minimum or $5 million that has, you know, is one of the better floor generals the game has seen. And, and again, puts up those averages of like 10 assists and two turnovers every night. Then I just, I don't, I would definitely be willing to take that small chance of, okay, it doesn't work out quite enough, but again, you're not paying him that much. So it's not like it's going to completely blow up in your face. Um, I'm willing to take the chance and I would try to get him. All right, let's go. Our last topic. And that was the trade that was done earlier today or a trade that's being worked on. I probably should clarify this. Uh, involves the Celtics, Wizards, and Clippers. Christophus Porzingis goes to Boston. Uh, then you've got Malcolm Brogdon going to the Clippers, which I just talked about might mean the end of Chris Paul going to the Clippers, you would assume. And Marcus Morris uh, in draft compensation, which we've learned now is a Clippers first-round pick tomorrow night at 30, uh, will be headed to Washington, according to the reports by Sharania uh, and Orjanowski. First question I have is, what does this do for Boston? Because they're the one team, even with Miami doing what they did next year, we're still going to be talking about it's Boston and Milwaukee. I guarantee that's going to be the narrative. Um, what does that do for Boston uh, against the Bucks getting Porzingis? I mean, it definitely, it, they definitely need, I think, a big, you had Horford, but he's obviously getting older and started to lose a step during the playoffs at the end of the year last year. So, um, they get, you know, you get Porzingis, who obviously he can space the floor. The dude's like 7'4", or whatever he is. And, um, I mean, defensively, he's not great. Obviously, he can protect the rim a little bit, and he can block some shots given he's that tall. But, I don't know, He it's it's an interesting trade. I don't, I don't know for certain that it makes the Celtics a ton better. I think it gets them a little bit better, but it just, it definitely makes them very different. You know, they... They're losing a ball handler in Brogdon, which is interesting because like ball handling is one of the their biggest needs, and they're kind of trading ball handling for a big. Um, and Brogdon was one of their best shooters last year as well, and sixth man of the year he won. So, I mean, it's not like they're getting Porzingis for nothing. Like I, I see a lot of people acting like they're getting him for nothing. Um, do I think it's a pretty good deal for them? Yes, but there is a trade-off there. You know, They're trading something that was very valuable to them last year, and they're also, I think, giving up Gallinari as well. We didn't play for them last year, but um, you know he was going to be a, a guy that played this year. And so they're yeah they're going to have their big. They're going to. I just I don't know how much I trust Porzingis to be in like a switching scheme and be out on the perimeter defending as he probably will have to in their defense or they will want him to in their defense. So that'll be interesting to see just how how he is defensively because um, I know he's not the quickest out on the perimeter. He's not. Um, the most agile guy, but he is kind of mobile for, you know, for a big, he's pretty mobile. And 
can get out there, but I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how well he does defensively. Cause that's going to be the big thing. We know what he can give you offensively. It's just a matter of defensive stuff. So. I just thought of something. Maybe it's crazy. Do you think Boston's angling to get Paul and in, in get into that three-way deal to get Chris Paul? I mean, I've, I saw, I saw CP when they talked about the teams he could go to, like he, he's an obvious fit there, but I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it would make sense for them to go try to get him because that's kind of the one sure. thing they need is, again, it's kind of similar to us, but I think even more than us, they need ball handling because, I mean, it's like their guards are, you know, they've got Jalen Brown, who isn't a, a great ball handler. You've got Tatum. You've got Marcus Smart, who's not really a point guard not like, like that. Um, you lost Brogdon now. And you've got Derek White. Like, none of these guys are ball handlers. None of these guys are you're at least ball handlers that you want being a – you know, the, the primary ball handler for the majority of a game. So I could see them maybe trading one of their bigs now to go that behind Porzingis to, to get a point guard instead. Um, they might try to sign and trade Grant Williams because it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to bring him back. It'll be interesting. And it'll also be interesting to see what they do like with Porzingis as far as a contract. Do they sign him right away or are they just going to play it out on the one-year deal? That's what I'd do. That's what I would do too, but... Um, I don't know. It'll just because yeah, if they sign him, all of a sudden you're looking at if they sign him for thirty million dollars a year, it's like you're going to be so capped after those top three guys with how much they're making. It's like you're going to have nothing to give the rest of that See, team. That's the other thing though, and I've brought this up in other podcasts. Jalen Brown for Lillard. I'm telling you, I still think if I'm Boston, I'm calling Portland to see. I'm just I'm seeing. Because if I got Lillard and Tatum, with all due respect to Jalen Brown, that's a hell of a lot better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And now you've got a big back there as well in Porzingis. I feel better about that if I'm Boston to get more consistent scoring and a leader that could probably Jason Tatum might learn something from uh, on that floor with him and in that locker room with him. Not that Lillard's won a championship, but he's been around a while longer. He's a respected vet, I think, uh, around the NBA. Now, I don't know if Lillard, you know, he... He's hard to read whether or not he wants to be there or doesn't want to be there. I, I can't figure out. It's hard to figure out what the hell Portland is doing to try and help him at this point, too. Uh, but if I'm Boston, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get me a dynamic guard to go with Tatum. And that makes the most sense to me. Because even with all the John Moran crap going around, I can't imagine Memphis moves John Moran. So I, he, he's there, and they'll just deal with whatever comes, his 25-game suspension uh, or whatever. But Lillard seems to be the one guy that you might be able to go snag if you're willing to give up enough to go get him. Yeah, I just I don't see Portland giving up Lillard to get Brown. I think if they're getting Brown, I think they're doing it with the purpose of pairing him with Lillard and trying to give up the number three pick and Anthony Simons and something like that rather than getting Brown to be kind of your number one guy. Because then I feel like they're just in a similar-ish position to where they are now. Um You'd have a younger star, but your star isn't as good, and so you're kind of just in like no man's land. Yep. So I think I think it's either you get they're going to try to either get Brown to pair with Lillard and really go for something, or they're going to trade Lillard and just get you know picks or get um, I don't know just whatever they you know cap space. I don't I don't doesn't matter, but just really blow it up. But I, I would I mean it sounds like they want to go more all in and try to um, either trade the third pick and Simons or. Um, do something to to get guys alongside Dame, but yeah, Dame would ab- absolutely make sense there. There's plenty of there's there's tons of places where Dame would make sense. The problem is it just never seems like there's a trade that really works, um, and that's kind of why these rumors always circulate every year. And then you're kind of like, 
okay, the trade doesn't really exist to, you know, there's not really a perfect trade. So he's just going to stay there and it's all going to happen again next year. So the other thing I'm kind of curious about here, and I've been refreshing Twitter and looking at my phone while we've been live streaming, nothing on Chris Middleton today. Uh, shouldn't we have heard something on Chris? Uh, isn't it today that it is, it is Milton today. should opt out and okay, I'm opting out. Everybody look at me and we're all like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Uh, and we move forward, but I still don't see anything. I just refreshed Sham Sharania again to see if I found something there. I don't see anything there. I haven't looked at Woj here in a couple of minutes. Let me click on his Twitter account. Pretty sure there's nothing there's there either. Uh, no. Still nothing. It is today. Now I will say, I will say, no news. Eric name to me is anything. To me, no news is good news because if the, he had accepted it, it would come out already that he accepted his player option. That's happening now. If he, if nothing's come out, that has to mean he just hasn't accepted it yet. So if he doesn't accept it by you know the next four hours, okay, then I don't think he's accepting it, and it's he's becoming a free agent, which is what we want. So, um, and then he'll sign on hopefully on a. As I've been saying, like a $30 million a year deal once free agency opens around there, 30 to 35, I don't know, we'll see. But that's, I think, what's going to happen. And that's, I mean, some of it might be also just like they know that it's kind of more of a formality for them. Like they, I think the Bucks kind of know and already have planned out what's happening here. They're not, I don't think Chris is, they're not sitting here waiting on a decision from Chris right now. I think they talked about this a while ago. They said, you know, they, they came to some agreement. This date is more of just, okay, this is the official date that is going to have to pass. Maybe maybe they're just like, we're not even going to announce that he's not accepting it. We're just going to let the date pass, and then they'll figure out that, okay, he's not accepting it. But I don't know. I, I think it's pretty – I think it's 99% likely that he is not accepting his player option. I would agree. I don't think he will accept the player option either. If he does, what then? Then – we cry. <laughs> no, we, uh, if he accepts, if he accepts, it basically means, it basically means Brooke Lopez is probably gone at that point. <laughs> I had, I had to say it because I do, <laughs> I was going to have a good response to that one. That was really good. Uh, follow Nathan Marzian on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Like I said, tomorrow night, uh, once the draft is done, providing the bugs do something, uh, we very well may do another podcast uh, tomorrow night, live stream that one as well. You always catch live streams on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page at 1250 AM, the fan and at Sparky Radio. Download this wonderful podcast a couple times a week. This week, I actually will have three if we end up doing the show tomorrow night uh, on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. At Nathan Marzian, it was fun. Can't wait to see what happens with the Bucks coming up tomorrow night. And uh, of course, Nathan Marzian, you have a good uh, rest of your evening and uh, sleep well. You too. Oh, oh, look at that. See, man, this is good, good, good stuff. Have a good one. Toodles. <laughs>